Hey everyone, you're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is Jill Koziol, the CEO of Motherly. Do you ever feel that the expectations put upon parents and mothers specifically has changed a lot over the years? Well, I think one thing is certain. It's never been easy. Whether we're washing clothes in a river with a baby tied to our backs or managing quarterly reports while soothing a crying child or nursing my child backstage right before my fashion show, women have often worked three times as hard to manage work, family, and home duties. And it's past time we've gotten the support we need. Enter Motherly. Jill's digital platform for today's mom generates content that is evidence-based, expert-driven, and most importantly, centered on the mother's experience. As a self-proclaimed creator and builder of businesses, Jill is helping redefine motherly as a trait that encompasses care and compassion while remaining courageous and autonomous. Take a listen. So I was excited when I saw the inbound email um, as a fan of what you've created. So I'd love for you to start with what is motherly and what gave you the vision to start motherly? Yes. So, well, they say necessity breeds innovation. So that's, that's it. Motherly didn't exist. Um, so that's why we started it. Um, Motherly is a well-being brand that's empowering mothers to thrive. And we are woman-centered, not baby-centered, because mom needs the support. Um, and we are evidence-based and expert-driven, um, not you know race-to-the-bottom alarmist content. And we're really empowering. We're here to leave every mother after an interaction with us, feeling like she's got this. And so we have a digital media platform. Um, we're the most engaged parenting platform on social media. We have um, you know, thousands of articles. Uh, we've got about 30 million women a month that are watching our, um, watching our videos, reading our articles, listening to our podcast, um, and now taking our digital classes. So when you had the idea to start this, you're a mom yourself. Where were you looking and where did you go, wow, this is definitely not helping me? Because I felt like when I first became a mom, there was only what to expect. And I was really disappointed in it. No offense to the author. I don't know. It seemed like it was one point of view that was very one dimensional. And it, it just probably didn't speak to you as a modern woman, right? Um, and, and that's exactly right. So I had um, been a consultant for a dozen plus years and then um, doing business strategy consulting and agile organizational work. And then after I had my first daughter 10 and a half years ago, which is crazy, um, I invented, patented, and brought to market a baby goods product. And that is my was my first entree into, into entrepreneurship and to marketing to moms. And it was through that experience and through my own experience as a mother that I just felt similar to you, that who I was, was not being reflected back to me by the brands that were out there in the world and by media. And so when my now co-founder, Liz Tennedy, who is an award-winning journalist and editor, when she reached out with this concept, I jumped in. We, we joke that the first conversation we had together was like falling in love. We were finishing each other's sentences. It was just so clear that we both had truly the same vision for the kind of brand that today's modern mother needed. It's a constant talk, like the modern mother needs and, and why do you feel like it's still so lacking? Like I have people say to me all the time, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I just fucking do it. Like, you know, 
And of course there are needs and I'm aware of the shortcomings and where, where I lack or where I, where I sacrifice, but it feels like a very complicated subject. It really is because there's, there's a lot of identity mixed into it. There's a lot of culture. There's a lot around governmental support and employers. I mean, it's such a complicated, you know, in, in some ways intractable challenge that we're faced with. And so I go again from my consulting days, I go back to the root cause and what are, what are the real challenges here? And the reason I felt that we needed motherly now at this time, you know, seven years ago when we launched was that there are some real drivers that have changed the landscape for today's parents that required a new platform. The first is that this is the first generation in history in which women are more educated than men. Full stop right? Like that changes everything. That means that women are having children later in life. It means they're in their careers. It means that the power dynamics and the gender roles are different in their families than in which we were raised. And this is a driver, not just a trend. Like there's no going back from this. Today's mother and forevermore is educated. And so she's looking for different things from brands. She's looking for different kinds of support and information and to be empowered and to not be seen as one-dimensional. Uh, the second is that she's a digital native. And so what we need now are, are different kinds of resources, like a book on the shelf is not going to cut it. Um, and then lastly, 2018 was that long awaited year in which we had this tipping point where the majority of births in this country are now of minorities. And so when you look at all of these changes, you've got an incredibly diverse, educated, multidimensional woman that is becoming a mother. And because of that, we need different kinds of support and we need to really change the way, frankly, that we define the word motherly. What, you know, motherly is defined in the dictionary as being nurturing and caring. And that is not it. That is a one dimensional look at this. But mothers are nurturing and strong. They're, they're caring and ambitious. There's all of these things wrapped in today's, in today's mother. And we've got to really empower and support her at a cultural level, at the employer level, and at the governmental level to make this work. I couldn't agree more. You know, we launched we launched a campaign a couple of years ago called I Am Many, and it was exploring the multidimensionality of a woman. And it's not just, you know, one thing. And so I love that you're saying that because it is true and it is becoming at least more talked about and more explored. And the data's there. Finally, the data's there. I mean, we, we run a state at Motherly, we run the state of motherhood survey and study every year. And we had over 20,000 women uh, respond this year. And what we learned amazing things. We learned, for instance, that this woman that we knew was very educated for the first time now, 50% or more are now the primary breadwinner in their family. And so we are, we have been asking for many years for women to layer roles without really supporting women in the same way that we need to. And, you know, the pandemic really shone a light on the fact this, this caregiving dilemma that we have, and we can't expect women to be in the workforce and to be the economic engine that they are while also carrying the, the disproportionate burden of parenting. So let's dive in there. And this might become a hot debate, which, <laughs> um, you know, I felt like I saw so much during COVID women, you know, the emotional labor, I'm not being paid. And I was like, for fuck's sake, buy Ebrodsky's book, have the conversation with your partner if you have one, and put it out there and stop being a victim, which I feel like so many women were complaining, versus I'm going to be responsible. I married this person. Here are the lines in the sand. 
And this is what each person has to do. And it's not a comfortable conversation by any stretch of the imagination, but we have to start there. And so I'm curious to get your perspective on that and what you saw in your, in your study that you, that you guys do. So it's not just, first off, I totally agree. And I, and this should not be controversial, right? When women are driving economic competitiveness in our country, we should be able to have these conversations with our partners at home. And, but I, we didn't just see it in the study of results. We, I saw it employing a workforce of majority working mothers during a pandemic. And I saw a couple different things. One, that most of the mothers that worked for us had been having those kinds of conversations beforehand, before the pandemic. And, you know, kudos to them and their partners for trying to build an intentional family that looked and operated a lot differently than the one in which they were raised in most cases. The challenge is that when we're faced with a trauma or a crisis, like a global pandemic, we revert back to what's comfortable. And in most families' cases, that reverted back to traditional gender norms where the woman did take on more and and tried to still keep things afloat with with working. And that's why we saw the great resignation happen the way that it did and really impact women. But I saw with my workforce specifically when we first started, we all went into what we thought was going to be this short-term quarantine. We had conversations with people that if they were privileged enough to have a partner that they that was a working partner also that we expected them to be sharing the childcare 50-50 with them and splitting that with their careers. We we put the expectation out there that their career was as important as that of their partners and that they were not to carry all of that burden because we had a venture backed business to run as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that that us pushing women in that way as the employer side really empowered them to have those tough conversations with their partners. Um, but also in my own relationship, like my husband and I are two ambitious, hardworking people. And to your point, like this is a hard, uncomfortable conversation. And we have it at least monthly, if not weekly, and frankly, some weeks daily on how to rebalance things to ensure that we're, we're both showing up in the best way that we can and that we're modeling a healthy relationship and partnership for our daughters. I'm I'm so happy to hear that you model it. And it's not just a one and done conversation. Like, I thought we talked about this, honey. It's like, no, it's constant. And it's when you notice things. And it's like that Sunday sit down that my husband and I have. I'm like, what's your week like? What's my week like? Where, who's on first? <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's, a, we're running little businesses in our families in many ways. And you've got to have those one-on-one conversations. A hundred percent. So speaking of working being a mother, having a media company, you have, you know, a big footprint. How have you learned to adapt and serve both, right? Be, be the mother to your daughters, be a good wife, you know, and, and what do you do when something's got to give? Something's always got to give. Right? <laughs> so, you know, I, I was diagnosed with MS, multiple sclerosis, about three months after launching Motherly. And that was a huge wake-up call that I had let my health and my well-being be last on the hierarchy over and over again. And in some ways, it's it's ultimately been a huge gift because it has given me the permission to to really prioritize my health at any given moment and to make sure that I am eating well and that I am exercising and that I'm doing all of those things that we all think we should do, but I feel I've been given permission to say I have to do it. And it's enabled me to, to really live what we say at motherly that 
in order for families and communities to thrive, mothers need to thrive. And so we really can't put ourselves last. And by having a health crisis in my life, it it brought that all front and center for me in a way that I think I get to unapologetically prioritize myself and my health. And yeah. that that's everything from making sure that I'm, you know, feeding my soul with some time with girlfriends, that I'm spending that time with my husband as well. Um, it's all of those things. And, and you know, the, Rebecca, I'm sure you know, like the seasons change as, as we grow. Like this was a lot harder. Like my life did not look the way it does now when I had a one-year-old and a three-year-old or nearly, you know, two and a half, almost three-year-old. Um, it's, it's a lot easier now with an eight and a half and a 10 and a half year old. Um, things are just, you know, I've got the government backstop of school as an example um, to make things work for me. And, you know, I'm, it's less, the physicality is less there now. You know, it's interesting you say that and by no means is my, my physical therapy compared to your MS diagnosis, but you know, we had our fashion show Friday, obviously weekend, I was mom duty, uh, went right back to work today. And like, I stopped for my physical therapy because I'm pregnant and my back tends to go out. And I was like, wow, this is the first thing I've actually done for myself. And like, I don't know how long and why is it taking me this long to do something for myself? And fuck it. I'm taking Friday off. I'm getting a massage. You know, I, I feel like it takes those moments of extremity where you're just like, oh my God, we can't forget about ourselves. Exactly. And you're not, I mean, and especially running a business too, you're, if you are not showing up as your best self, your business isn't going to be successful. And in the same way, neither is your pregnancy or your family as a whole. And so, and I don't know what it is. I I honestly go back often to like, it's the patriarchy that like started all of this in the beginning that we put ourselves last because it's this, this martyrism. It's this expectation that we're responsible for the end result of everything in our family and that we are to fall on our sword in order to make it happen. And that we're judged over and over again on, you know, it's death by a thousand cuts in many cases with like all these small, tiny things that add up to us not putting ourselves first. Yeah, for sure. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So did you know growing up you wanted to be a CEO? That's a great question. Um, I mean, I wanted to be a, a pediatrician at one point. I wanted to be an attorney, all different kinds of things. Um, my father, though, um, is a small business entrepreneur in my local community in rural Maryland. And I saw the hard parts and the wonderful parts of of contributing to your community in a powerful way and employing people and and, and building something, being a creator. And so I think that was modeled from, I know that was modeled for me from a very young age. And so I didn't have the mental block around becoming it. And I think as I started to grow in my career, I realized that while I had always thought of myself as not a very creative person, I, in the traditional sense, I am a creator, I am a builder, and I do that through businesses. 
so so when you say you do that through businesses, when did you know it was the next best, you know, next, okay, Motherly is on its way. I'm going to launch the next vertical. Now I'm going to launch classes. Like, how did you feel like it was steady or it wasn't steady, but you knew that to keep innovating, you have to keep pushing it? Well, that's it, right? Like, I think that there's been such an acceleration of change in today's world and, and today's consumer is constantly changing that in order to do what I believe is the core of our business, which is being obsessed with our users and and meeting her where she is, in order to do that, we have to be agile and constantly be innovating in this space. And so I always just put the audience first. um, And what do they need? What do they want? Um, Classes, as an example, though, is something we launched in 2016, the first time. And frankly, the world wasn't quite ready for it yet. Um, But a gift, there aren't many, but a gift from COVID was that people are more comfortable with you know, online digital education and learning. And so we've decided to give this another try and are super excited by the, the early response that we've gotten so far with Motherly as a digital education platform for parents. And what should women come to expect when they go to get these classes? Well, they're going to get what Motherly represents. They're going to get educational resources that put them at the center, that put them as a mother at the center of the conversation. They are going to find expert-driven, evidence-based classes, and they're going to find classes that help them feel empowered. And similar to Motherly, we're there for her from trying to conceive through all of the parenting milestones at this point, up until about elementary aged, I'd say. We're kind of growing with the millennial mom at this point, Um, so up until elementary aged. But everything from positive parenting and Montessori to birth classes and trying to conceive and breastfeeding, um, we're, we're growing classes very rapidly right now. So what would you say to people? Because in my industry, it's been like, media is dead. You know, how do you, how do you stand out and cut through? And I know as, as a company that was, you know, my company being built on a couple of celebrities wearing my things to now like... I'm micro analyzing every like, every, you know, PR, did it, did it do anything? You know, how do you feel like as a modern media company, you've been able to have longevity and what challenges have you had and overcome? It's so amazing to hear someone say we've had longevity now. It still feels, I mean, I'm sure you feel this too. It still feels like the early hustle is just continued on forever. Um, So I feel, still feel like we're such a baby, but we are, we're seven years in now. And so Again, it's about being obsessed with our audience, similar with you. Like if you are constantly focused on getting out from behind yourself and focusing on who that user is and building and creating around them, then, and having a unique point of view that comes out through that, then I think in being agile around it, then I think that's how you build a lasting brand. Um, The business is itself within that brand may change along the way. You, You add on different things, the platform evolves. But the brand and what you stand for, to me, it's a belief system in a way. And it has to be something that resonates and connects deeply with the audience. And doing that is the way to have that longevity. So I'm curious if you feel like sometimes you're under a microscope when you're parenting, Mm -hmm. being the CEO of what you you are. Because I'll never forget uh, this woman who, I, I won't name her, but she calls herself like a healer, therapist, whatever. And she was complaining to me about her like massive depression. And I was like, wait a second, you're giving people advice all day. Why aren't you taking your own advice if it works so well? You know, so immediately like 
I was like, who are you now? I don't, I don't know that I want to listen to Well, it to comes you. across as inauthentic in some way, right? And so you, you really nailed it. Um, Liz and I, when we first were starting Motherly, this was a t- in a time where there's a lot of personality-driven brands and kudos to a lot of those women that you know have personality-driven brands. It was really important to Liz and I to not build a personality-driven brand because it's in the parenting space. We all know that when you walk into that, people hold like the PTO mom's kids to a slightly different standard, right? Um, And, you know, oh, that the PTO leader here is, you know, what were her kids doing over there? And so it was really important to us to one, not put our pressure, that pressure on ourselves as mothers that were frankly just figuring it out and needed motherly as a resource, and also not to put the pressure on our children in some way too. And so you don't see me front and center with the brand. Um, You know, I do things from a business perspective and we're talking about that, but I am first to say like, I do not have it all figured out and that the things that I do have figured out, I acknowledge like it has changed since the very beginning, early days of motherhood. And as motherly itself has grown, there's more privilege involved in this now and more support that I can have. Um, but I'm just figuring it out with everyone else. Um, and I'm using, I just yesterday sent my husband an Instagram post of motherlies about how to reframe talking to your children when they won't listen. Um, uh, because I'm having the same challenges and problems that every other mother out there is having and learning through motherly. I'm not the expert. I'm here to build the platform for experts to support moms. I love that. You know, I feel like I've, I have a long standing question, which is, in in growing up in my house, uh, contribution and chores, and it was just not questioned. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my hard work ethic came out of that experience as torturous as it was. And I can't get my kids to do barely anything. And I'm like, what, what am I doing wrong? I'm trying to get them to be self-sufficient. And I'm wondering, like, who do you turn to? when you have that question. I mean, there's motherly's here as a resource. And again, because (laughs) what works different for each child and each parent, it's, it's very different. And so it's really, I like to say, if I ever read like a self-help book or something, if you get one or two things out of that, that you can apply to your life that works, that's a win. You're not going to find one, one article or one expert that you can just completely copy the way they do things and get the same results. It really is about being intuitive to what works for your child, which is different for each of them, perhaps, and your own family. And so it's finding those tools and, you know, looking at ways of like attachment parenting and creating a strong attachment and relationships of respect and having that kind of positive parenting approach. Like those are all things that I personally strive to do. I say strive because I don't always achieve it, as you can imagine. Um, But it's, yeah, we're trying to be intentional about doing things a little different than our parents did, but also trying to bring the good with that. And it's hard. This is hard work. The world is different now too. It's very different. The expectations we have on kids now are are much different than they used to be from an academics perspective, from an activities and this well-rounded child. And, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of after-school activities, so I did a lot of chores. Yeah, for sure. So what was it like building the business with a co-founder and how do you make sure that, you know, I had a co-founder at at Rebecca Minkoff for 17 years and there was definitely explosions and war and peace and times of greatness and not. And I have a co-founder at FFC and whether they're your blood, like in one side of my world or not, you know, discussions are never easy when it's stressful. It's never easy. So like, how did you guys figure that out? I, 
your your listeners can't say, but I smile as soon as you ask me about my co-founder. Um, it's a big part of the secret sauce of motherly success, honestly. Um, and I we should talk about it more because I think so often we see out in the media when female relationships don't work. And yeah. Liz and I have had such a strong partnership and it started off on the right foot. And so a lot of things to consider there, but one is Liz and I have very different skill sets. And so we have a lot of mutual respect for each other and professional respect for each other. I cannot do what she does. She cannot do what I can do. And so we've had to trust and count on each other and, and really support each other in those things. So that's one, um, which has been really powerful. Two, we come from similar values and backgrounds. Um, Her parents were entrepreneurs too. She saw the highs and the lows. Our husbands both went to the Naval Academy and served in the military. We're we're both, you know, practicing Catholics. Like there's just little things along the way that have made us have similar values where there's shortcuts in things. And, And I think just also grow that trust of one another. And then the last is, from the beginning, we talked about ego. We had the hard conversations and we still do to this day. Liz and I had a hard conversation a week ago. Um, and the hard conversations are so much less hard when you know that the other person respects you and that you're aligned on the end goal that you're both working toward. Yes. And I, I agree with you. Like in my book, I talk about, you know, whether it's your partner in life or love or your business partner, these conversations are not a one and done. They are a constant. Absolutely. Best done over the phone or in person, not via text, as I have learned. Oh, absolutely. And it's so much in today's world, it's so much more uncomfortable to pick up the phone. Why not a text? But it's every so much gets lost in translation. And, you know, people probably don't know this, but Liz and I, it's been for us, seven and a half years, almost you know, eight years in April, um, that we have launched Motherly, and we have only been co-located working in the same city for four months. Wow, that's pretty spectacular. You were doing remote work before it was absolutely. We always because we're, we're Navy spouses originally. Our husbands are not no longer um, in the Navy, active in the Navy, but we were Navy spouses, and it was really important to us to create a workplace where military spouses could thrive as well. Um, so often with the, you know, more men are in the military um, and in traveling and having to move. And so often their partners, their spouses have to leave their jobs when they move. And we wanted to create something where people could live where they wanted to live. And so, um, yeah, we were, we were definitely ahead because we wanted to create a next generation workplace, not just a next generation brand. So are all of your staff all over? Yes. Always happened for seven, seven plus years. Wow, that's incredible. Why do you think women continue to shit on each other and continue to judge? You know, we talk about it being unequal, male to female, gender inequality, and like mothers, especially, are the first to take each other down. So I have maybe an an optimistic viewpoint on this, that this is the thing we all want to be the best at, Right. We, we all intuitively know that being a parent is the most important job in the world. And that, you know, when our days are over on this earth, that that will be the thing that matters the most is, it, did we raise good humans? You know, are we proud of that? Did we do a good job? Are, were our children loved? And 
the challenge is none of us have any idea what we're doing. And so when we are, so we're incredibly vulnerable. And so when people make the same choices as us, it's validating for us and it feels good. It feels really comfortable. And when someone makes a choice that's different from us, really it's shining a light on our own insecurities in most cases. And we get defensive because we're human. And so I really, I feel like that's the reason, frankly. I mean, and it goes from everything. I see it a lot around like picking a school choice. Like if you change what school you chose or what approach you take with something and it can cause all of these issues and all of these challenges. And it really, really comes from insecurity. Um, and again, a lot of that insecurity comes from all the pressure that's put on mothers on this. And so I think if we, if we get to that root cause and understand and just acknowledge to ourselves that we're pretty insecure about what we're doing, that we'll find ourselves judging each other a lot less. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. And the, yeah, the insanity around judging is, just mind blowing. I'm guilty of it too. So I, I'm not sitting here from a we're human. Yeah, absolutely. We're absolutely human and it's super hard to do. And I think this, I'm every generation I think is getting a little better at this. And when we first started motherly, we said that the millennial generation was the you do you generation, like less judgment, more support. And I think the more that we can offer that to each other and realize that other people's choices are, are not a reflection of ours, right? It's not a judgment on our choices and just let, let things be. Yep. So do you have a piece of advice you'd like to pass on either one you learned the hard way or one that someone gave you? From parenting or from business? It could be both. Okay. So we'll from, take any nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you one from, from each then short ones from each. So on the parenting side, it is to apologize to your children um, and to sh- be vulnerable with them. Um, my eldest Claire, um, she knows that I'm learning how to be a mom with her just as she's learning how to be a big girl, right. As she's growing up and she knows that we're a team and that we're in it together. And just last night she was talking about some mistakes that she made on the bus. She was having, speaking of judgment, she was, she realized that she was engaging in some gossip and talking about things. And when she was going to bed and talking to me, it hurt her heart. She felt bad and she wasn't sure how to fix it. And I was explaining to her that we can't always fix mistakes, but we learn from them. And that's what we're supposed to be doing right now. And I, I talked to her, I apologize when I do things wrong, if I'm too harsh, or if I didn't, you know, parent in the right way or in the best way possible, if I didn't show up in my best way for her. And so, and I think by me modeling that to her a lot, I apologize a lot. Um, I think she feels really comfortable coming to me when she's made mistakes. So that would be my number one advice for parenting. And then for business, for anyone who's listening, women do not toot our own horn enough, frankly. And I think the more you can talk about what you're doing and be out there in the world and unapologetic about your successes and your goals and what you're trying to do, the better. Um, it's critical. We are, again, an economic driver in this country, and we should be more proud of it. And we should be sharing what we're doing. If we have ideas that we're interested in launching, the best thing you can do is talk about it. I love that you said that because I feel that some women think that they'll be seen as having an ego or it's all about them. But I think we, we've seen models, you know, men do it all the time and no one really says that. Exactly. And we have to those of us that are in business, women in business, I think we have to lead by example doing that because there aren't enough of us still, unfortunately. And 
this concept of if you can see it, you can be it is so true and so real. And I think the more that we're modeling that and showing different types of leadership so people can find their style and through other examples, all the better. And my last question for you would be, what would we be surprised to know about you? Oh, that's a really hard one. Um, Wish I was more interesting for you. Oh, here's one, actually. Um, During the pandemic, I moved my entire family from the Bay Area, Silicon Valley, to Park City, Utah, having never been here before. Okay. Why Park City? And how did you found the house on Zillow? And I was like, that's it? (laughs) Well, we moved here without a house. Um, So we moved here truly to get our children in school full-time in person during the pandemic with two working parents far from family. Like it was not working all those partnership conversations. Like we were reminding each other to take a shower. Um, Like so many, uh, you know, we were just, we were not thriving like so many families. And so we made a radical choice to find a place where our kids we knew could be in school. And so we came here uh, because we needed to be close to a great airport and Salt Lake is awesome. Um, and two, we needed to have at least one family friend. So we'd know one person here and we have great family friends here with kiddos the same age. Um, and we like to ski. So why not? We, we thought we were coming for four months. And two weeks later, we said, oh, no, we're staying here. And we, we bought a house. So here we are two years later. Wow. And you've adapted to the change well? Uh, the altitude? <laughs> no, we've adapted very well. Um, every time I go back to California, we miss it. We miss feeling known. I think it's hard to start a whole, build a whole new community. And the people yeah. in Park City have been so welcoming. But there's something about being known by the people that you know you had your babies with, you raised your babies with, um, and really, really dear friends that I miss always. Um, and we'll go back, um, back and forth a lot, but, uh, this, this is home now. Um, and I really, I love this kind of small town feel that park city gives and the mountain vibe and the outdoors while also just having access to amazing culture in salt Lake and, you know, just a flight away from really anywhere else. I love that. So, so much was made possible by COVID as horrific as it was that, you know, the, the the freedom to move and be other places has been incredibly liberating for me and my family. So we've been we've been lots of places. <laughs> we don't know what, we don't know where to call home right now, but we're trying to figure it out. And what an amazing gift that is, right? Like you said, to be able to rethink. You know, there's so many negatives that came from COVID, as you said, but to look at the positives, it's it's an exciting time. I turned 40 during COVID, and uh, leading up to it. I felt a little like, oh, I've done all the big milestones. I fell in love. I got married. I had my babies. I launched my business. Like, what's next? And now with this huge move and all these changes, I just turned 42. And I'm like, I mean, who knows what's next, right? There's an excitement to that. It doesn't feel like this is even like the middle point of life. It feels like really just the beginning in so many ways. Totally. I thought I'd be depressed about turning 40, but I actually loved it. And I felt very much the way you feel. Um, so just drop all the handles. Where can people follow motherly all the things? So we are mother.ly is the website. We are motherly media. I mean, just put in motherly, you'll find us, um, honestly. And with our classes, which you can find on mother.ly, um, we are also going to offer um, for all of your listeners a special discount of 20% off their first class, which we never offer, um, which is going to be the, the promo code um, superwomen20. I love it. And so they'll just put that in at checkout? 
at checkout. Exactly. And get 20% off any class, any class you want um, on there. Awesome. Thank you, Jill. Thank you for creating Motherly and being a really great space for people to connect. That's way better than what to expect when you're expecting. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. I love it. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithms. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again and you will hear from me next week.